had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. I'm in love with Could you. make me be true. Snap out of it. Could make me be true. The magnificence that comes out of your eyes and your voice and the way you stand there and the way you walk. You're lit from within, Tracy. It had to be you, wonderful you. It had to be you. Well, um, record on your end. Um, so we are good to go. Um, if you're ready. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm ready. Hello, romantics. Welcome to A Pod to Be You, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mather, and this is part four of the sports romance miniseries. Uh, earlier this month, I talked about Jerry Maguire, and uh, this episode, I'm talking about a, a really exciting, fun movie, a movie that I watched a lot in high school. Uh, definitely feels like a mid-2000s cult classic, uh, and that is She's the Man, starring Amanda Bynes and Channing Tatum. Uh, this movie was directed by um, Andy Fickman. Kim comes out in 2006, uh, based on Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. We'll definitely get into that. But, you know, I'm really excited to um, welcome my two guests, uh, the co-hosts of the no- amazing, wonderful Nora Ephron podcast, the podcast Around the Corner, Shawnee Meets Bellman and Dan Cologne. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Oh, Hello. Hi. Hi. And you don't need to say the Spellman bit. That's just my um, spooky season name. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> well, welcome both. I'm going to keep that in. You know, we're having fun. It's Halloween almost. Um, <laughs> well, uh, welcome both. Thanks for thanks for being here. No, thank, thank you, you for- so much for having us. Yes, this is exciting. Mm. Um, so, uh, yes, you, you know, the two of you are rom-com experts talking about one of the legends every month, um, Nora Ephron. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that you're here and especially about this movie because, you know, she's the man is such a, I don't know, it's such a special movie to me in a, in a, in a, in a way. And I hadn't watched it in quite some time. I probably haven't watched it in over 10 years, but it was such a, <laughs> delight to rewatch it but um i'd love to kind of talk to the two of you about kind of your experience with the film um shawnee when was the first time you saw the movie uh well i saw it when it came out in the cinema so um i'm an og fan of she's the man but um yeah i think i i really wanted to see it but i dragged one of my friends and she was like oh i don't like sort of you know teen movies and i went oh whatever <laughs> i went well, you're coming and then she actually you know begrudgingly quite quite enjoyed it but i really i just loved it from the very beginning and i've always been an amanda Bynes fan so oh yes yeah i was always turning up for amanda at the cinema <laughs> same here i mean she feels like a um you know like between like this movie and the Amanda show and all that and aging Cody yeah. Banks and, you know, uh, I don't know. She just was such a major part of like what I love about comedy as a, as a child. Um, and it's really, mm-hmm. really great to see her in this movie mm-hmm. again. Um, and Dan, how about yourself? 
So uh, we sort of talked about this uh, before we started recording, yeah. but um, I watched this for the first time and uh, I watched it today at seven o'clock in the morning because that's when <laughs> I had time to watch it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I came to She's the Man very, very late. Um, so it's brand new to me, which I think hopefully will add an interesting dynamic to the conversation. Yes, um, for sure, because... You know, like, you know, Shani and I, we watched this when we were, you know, younger and had a lot of, you know, at least I have a lot of memories with the movie, but I'm wondering mm-hmm. how it plays to someone who is watching it for the first time in 2023, you know, after, um, you know, after what, 17 years? 17, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy. I'm like, Sorry. man, I can't believe I'm that old where, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but yeah, so what was your experience, Dan, with, with the movie, watching it for the first time today? So uh, I came into this um, a little bit trepidatious. Uh, I, I've never particularly loved Amanda Bynes uh, as a movie actor. Um, of course, I grew up with her on all that and the Amanda show. And I, you know, as a, you know, when I was younger, I, I really enjoyed her on television. Um, and for whatever reason, I just uh, when she started doing movies, um, I, I there was something that I just it just didn't like really grab me. And and to be uh, fair, I hadn't seen a ton of her movies. I think my history with her on film is limited to um or at least prior to She's the Man at 7 a.m., was Hairspray and uh, Easy A. Mm. And that might be it. Um, And so, yeah, there's there's something about her, and I don't know what it is. I wish I could be more specific. uh, That I just, when when She's the Man came out in theaters, I did not uh, feel compelled to go see it. And it's not that I wasn't into you know, teen adaptations of Shakespeare because uh, Get Over It is like one of my absolute favorite co- uh, teen comedies of all time. And of course, I love 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, but yeah, so this movie sort of eluded me for, or maybe I i don't know that I actively avoided it, but uh, yeah, I, I made it to 36 years old, never having seen it. And um, it kind of, it, 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 it didn't it did about everything that i expected it to uh it didn't really hold any surprises for me mm-hmm. um and so not not already being uh like a huge fan of amanda Bynes coming into it like i can't say that i loved it but i did enjoy uh, uh quite a few things about it um so i just don't have that nostalgia you know i think that if i had seen it in 2006 when i was fresh out of high school maybe i would feel differently about it today but um it, uh, you know this happens to me a couple has happened to me a couple times um you know in my life i think like like the princess bride i didn't see it when i was a kid so mm. I, I saw it in my 20s and i'm like okay i get it you know but i didn't grow up with it so um i don't know it just didn't land with me the way uh, it does for other people so it kind of is in that realm for me where i i I get it i I enjoyed some of it but you know um i think i i might have gotten more out of it uh when i was you know 18 19 years old yeah i i definitely can can see that because you know this movie hits me like i'm you know i'm 17 years old i was in okay in my middle school and high school i did a lot of theater um wanted to become an actor you know as a profession but quickly realized that i only got roles because i was one of four boys who tried out for plays 
right <laughs> so i go to college and there's like actual good actors I'm like, oh wow okay so i'm not not getting any roles here um but i was actually in a production of she's the man of 12th night actually uh right when she's the man comes out and uh it was like it was a condensed half hour version for like the teenage or like high school shakespeare festival here in dc and i played malvolio and it was quite a fun experience um and uh and like this movie comes out like right when this is happening and it was one of those like weird coincidences where i'm like here's something i'm obsessed with and now it's actually like in (laughs) theaters um so like i was just primed to like love this movie and of course you know like i was young and closeted so channing tatum was a huge deal right um (laughs) amanda Bynes, as as i mentioned so you know and, and like it's I was really having a lot of nostalgia for like these mid 2000s like teen comedies like I mean even going as far back as you know like Clueless and 10 Things I Hate About You which are like just like they're so silly they're so goofy they have a lot of predictable jokes but they actually like have some like thematic heft to it but they're not too discoursey and they have a lot of fun actors and there's a lot of like kookiness and goofiness all around um but uh and I so I was really just like having a lot of emotions about being like man i wish like i could watch movies like this now <laughs> and not just like annoying stuff on netflix that i don't like um all that uh, much. it's funny that you mentioned having uh done theater and having done um 12th night uh, because i uh, so of those like th- i'm gonna i'm gonna refer to them as like sort of the big three of the high school shakespeare adaptations you know this get over it and and 10 things yeah. um i actually was in productions of taming of the shrew and midsummer night's dream so like <laughs> i think we've got like all of these covered from a, from a stage <laughs> perspective it's so funny um, shawnee what was your sort of um familiarity you know back when this comes out with with shakespeare um yeah well this came out when i was I was 16 when this came out. Oh, God, that's a long time ago. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, it was around then. I'd already seen film versions of Shakespeare. Like I'd seen Much Ado About Nothing. I'd seen The Midsummer Night's Dream that has Christian Bale in it and a whole mm. lot of other people, but I can't remember who they all are. But, um, yeah, so I was familiar with Shakespeare stories already as a child and then as a teenager I got I think most teenagers had a Shakespeare phase I don't know I think they did in the 2000s anyway but yeah, yeah then I kind of got got into reading his plays and yeah I got a bit oh and obviously Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet like, uh, I loved huge. that <clears throat> as a kid movie. Yeah. obsessed I'm still obsessed with it but um <laughs> yeah so yeah I've always been a Shakespeare girl but um yeah I really love all of the Shakespearean high school adaptations like get over it is hilarious and you know still it's still quite underrated I think but it's you know I don't think I've seen that so I have to oh definitely go and see that I just want to read the cast of get over it because it's quite something I mean you have Mm. Ben Foster Kirsten Dunst the queen um Zoe Saldana Mila Kunis like wow I'd be and Martin Short is in it as well. Yeah, and he's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have to check that out. Um, yeah, and I but, love Ten Things. So yeah, yeah. Emma, this was exactly this was right up my alley. This movie. So yeah, yeah. Um, you know, 
you know, this is, you know, we're talking about this movie in terms of sports. And, you know, one thing that I've said pretty much in every episode is I don't really like sports, but I like sports movies. Um, and for the two of you, um, are you any big sports fans here? Is this, are you, are you all playing soccer or, you know, uh, or football or um, cricket or whatever? I mean, um, are you guys into um, sports as much? Or? Well, I'm... I'm not into sports. Um, I'm not into playing them because I'm very uncoordinated. And I was always, <laughs> I was, you know, often picked last for team sports yeah. at school. And I was hated. I pretty much got out of doing PE at school the minute I could. Because um, at our school in year 11, you didn't have to do it anymore. So I was happy about that. But then at the start of the year, I somehow had gotten put in girls PE. So I kind of went to the coordinator and went, why am I in this? I didn't want to be in this class. No one wants me in this class. So I got swapped into art, which is the class I wanted to do. But, um, yeah, I I like sports movies, but I'm not a sport watcher or player or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so Dan. I, I grew up uh, playing baseball, you know, from, from the age of five until I think about 14 I was in uh, Little League. And um, so uh, baseball as a sport is, is near and dear to my heart. But, you know, I, I, I as now that I'm in my 30s, I've gotten into like so many different sports, uh, so many to the point where I don't really consider myself a diehard fan of anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a pretty casual sports fan, um, which is, you know, so, I mean, I'm one of those guys who also loves movies. I love horror movies and I love a hundred different things. Right. So it yeah. just becomes difficult for me to like follow one team for an entire season. Yeah. Uh, but I will say I love competition. I love watching competition. Um, you know, I have a, a favorite baseball team and a favorite football team. And like, I watch formula one. I'm, I'm always like kind of keeping an eye on sports uh, while at the same time, you know, watching old movies from the thirties and forties. And, you know, so I I wear many hats in my (laughs) life um, and it's often baffling to, to a lot of people. Um, But yes, I would say that uh, I am definitely a sports fan. Um, Soccer is a sport I do enjoy, uh, although I don't um, devote as much time to watching it as I would like to. uh, Although I am a big fan of the U S women's national team. I mean, they like even they have crossover appeal to like me, you know. Yeah. Just, they just seem very cool, um, and um, yeah. I mean, I I find that like you know with this movie in particular, um, I was really impressed actually by this movie's kind of take on sports, which feels very. Um, uh, it just feels very like it's it's a good way I think to introduce the like gender bending you know angle of the movie um Mm -hmm. which is like it feels if to me it feels like not not that it feels like organic or realistic but it makes sense to me to like introduce the introduce the like whole like gender swap angle of it because of you know needing to like prove to you know the boys team that you can play just as well and that you deserve a shot you know and i i kind of like that thematic thread in this movie and um i was you know i was it was on my mind a lot because like i was just i was kind of wondering like what this movie plays like would play like in 2023 and i feel like it wouldn't i don't know if it would like change much or like how they would do it but 
um, I definitely felt that like it was a kind of a cool, a cool way to introduce like basically like the hook of the movies through this like sports and um, because I think even back, I mean, especially back then, I think like girls doing sports was such a like, it was such a thing back then. I mean, now it's like, I think, I, I don't know, maybe I'm like misremembering like the 2000s, but I f- feels like it was like, you know, the, very much like, oh, there are two kinds of girls, like sports girls and like girly girls. <laughs> and I feel like this movie kind of did a cool job of like talking about that. Yeah, I found it to be very progressive for a movie that came out in 2006. Um, You know, I I think there was a lot of uh, potential given the premise of um, some weird, uh, like early 2000s gay panic. And I didn't really see a whole lot of that, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, You know, and so like in a lot of ways, I I think that this movie surprised me in that, like like that, you know, with uh, with not taking the um that those roots to the easy jokes of of that time when when they were quote unquote more acceptable uh so yeah i think i think that the having that be the the sort of core message that um that these girls deserve to you know the same opportunities as as the boys uh was incredible that that's one of the things i really really liked about this um shani yeah i really liked that as well because yeah i i feel like yeah, in 2023, probably people haven't seen it. It might put people off a bit that they'll be a bit kind of done everything. But I think I still feel like it holds up in terms of that. And it is, yeah, it's a good way of introducing the kind of hook of the story. And yeah, it does, you know, everyone loves a sort of mistaken identity, sort of that kind of movie. And it works. I think it works really well with that. And yeah, I think it's the fact that it's not it's sort of commenting on gender in terms of sport, but like the, it's not sort of wading into kind of, you know, <clears throat> gender territory that other thing other movies from that time might have done and done poorly. Yeah. So I think yeah, it it is kind of it's literally gender bending, but it's more just as a way of getting into the, you know, the world of the other school and it's sort of it's more just like the opportunity presents itself because they're twins and everyone goes like you know you may as well just be your brother and like it I think it just works perfectly as that but it's not getting like heavy-handed and trying to wade into you know gender stuff that it it's not its business to talk about as a 2000s like very light teen comedy so yeah I think yeah, one one yeah. thing that I was really struck by and um was like, you know, if they were to make this, a movie like this today, mm-hmm. um, and release it, you know, on streaming or something, like I feel like it would become so like discourse heavy and Oh yeah. Um I was really thinking about like this movie yeah. and like Mean Girls and like Easy A as like three like peak pre Twitter movies. <laughs> you know, mm. but that are like, they talk about stuff like this and they're very, like, they have a lot of themes. They have, you know, they kind of tackle some things in a very light way and kind of like, not in like a serious way, but it's like, we don't have to have like monologues about patriarchy and stuff, which is so, something like, or something that I feel like, like would have to happen now or like where a lot of like, it doesn't, we don't have to feel like the pressure of like social media speak in this movie or in EZA or in Mean Girls, even though like, you know, those movies are very, like, these movies are all very influential. Um, and, uh, 
but I think that um, it's it's sort of interesting how like because one thing that I you know one of my favorite moments in, in the movie is when is like after the whole carnival thing you know when Viola Amanda Bynes' character as her brother is talking to Channing Tatum's character about you know kissing kissing Viola at the thing and um deciding between like Viola and, and Olivia and uh it was interesting because like Viola when she's pretending to be her brother puts on this very like crass performance of masculinity and very like aggressive not like aggressive in a sense of like very like um like her performance of gender is very like you know it's ca- it's cartoonish at times and it's only when she kind of lets that guard down and like talks as herself to Olivia or to her friends or to her teammates that they actually like start to like her and they like start to listen to her. And, and even I think Channing Tatum says something like, why do you always have to talk to girls like, you know, like their objects or whatever. And it was such a, to me, it felt very like, very, very like restrained kind of like comment on this. And it doesn't really get, you know, like, I don't think they dive too too much into it. Like, there's not a lot of, but it's just like it's just a hint there of like he's a guy that is much more deep than that, and that her kind of her view of what guys are like feels very off and based on stereotypes and kind of what she imagines. That even as a tomboy or someone that doesn't care about like girly girly stuff, like even she has her gaps of like what it's like to be a boy and like how boys talk to each other. Mm. And I think also that before that, the apart from her brother, because he doesn't seem well, as sort of just like, you know, stereotypical boy. But, I mean, he still pretty much only dates his girlfriend because she's hot. That's what he keeps yeah. saying. Like, so he seems, we don't really, you know, we don't really ever get to know real Sebastian that well. But he's I mean, kind apparently of, he's like the great lyricist of our time. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, apparently he's like really deep and has all these feelings. But he yeah, but no, I, I know what you mean though. Like he's very, um, he's yeah. very typical. But yeah, I think, and then Justin, her soccer captain, team boyfriend, whatever, he just is like a total dick. So I think it's like a lot of the guys that she spent time with before this, they're very much just, you know, they're either sporty or muso guys, but they're still very into like girls are like this thing and boys are this thing. And I think, yeah, it's from that experience. She's yeah. not ever met, you know, any boys before, like, you know, Channing Tatum, but, you know, he actually has, he has feelings and he's happy to share them sometimes, some, yeah. sometimes, but he has all these, you know, deep feelings and yeah. And I think it really shows, which, I mean, that's what she says at the end. She meant like, you know, everything you told me, as a guy just you know maybe like you even more as a girl and that they actually were able to have that kind of deeper connection because he didn't feel like Channing Tatum didn't feel embarrassed that he was telling all of this to a girl so it sort of yeah it sort of they had a deeper connection in the end because he thought they were just like you know chatting like bro to bro but actually <laughs> she yeah. wasn't a bro but um yeah but yeah. um yeah and I mean it doesn't it touches on issues but yeah it doesn't go it's not like it's a whole scene about him being like 
<laughs> you have to have a whole scene where he's like, you were gaslighting me this whole time, or you're talking about... Yeah, you know, like, yeah, which now they're definitely was, be like... A, you know, <laughs> I was like, thank God. Uh, thank God, like, yeah. this whole thing of, like, her lying to everyone just kind of gets, you know, hand-waved away because, like, you know, a, a movie like this doesn't need to mm. have a whole didactic thing. Like, we all kind of get it, and I, I think her reasons in her mind were, were solid enough to kind of do this. And Yeah, good. and everyone finds it. Like, I mean, you know... Yeah. Vinnie Jones is in it as the soccer coach. Which <laughs> I, I, say, I don't even know how they got him in this film. That seems just completely bizarre to me. But the fact that he's kind of just like, yeah, I get it. Like, I'm all about, you know, soccer. So I get that this girl's, you know, come in and pretended to be a boy so she could be on the team. And, you know, I think by then he realizes she's a really great player because at the beginning, you know, he thought Sebastian was rubbish. But because, you know, Duke taught her how to play soccer like you know in a bo- i don't know why she had to play soccer in a different way but i don't that's a bit i, I think that's maybe like, weird <clears throat> yeah i mean i was kind of that that kind of intrigued me as well is like she's really she's better than the boys that are old school but not mm. as good as the boys that are new school um yes. and it could also just be that like she's also like caked in like makeup or not makeup but like she has like a lot of layers on and she's yeah, and she's like, having to try and, and she's nervous, move a bit yeah. more yeah, like a yeah. boy. And like that bit where, you know, the soccer ball like, you know, hits her between the legs and then all the guys like stop like, oh, and she's like, uh, hang, hang on a second. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh no. Just like pretend that. Which I, like, I can't think... imagine they wouldn't hurt someone to have a ball like pelted at them like that. But yeah, but I. I it's very funny. I, I think it would. Yeah, would hurt in a. In a different way, if you were were a lady. But um, yes, but I just, yeah, I love that bit. But um, yeah, but it doesn't get too heavy into anything. And I think that's why it's still as enjoyable today because there aren't any like, you know, bits that you're like, whoa, that bit's just like really heavy handed. And I don't enjoy that bit because it's done poorly. So yeah, I think that was... And I think that's the Shakespeare of it. Um, you know, when I look back at the other uh, films, you know, like Get Over It and 10 Things, um, you know, they also kind of like things just sort of magically work out at the end, you know, because they have to. Shakespeare, uh, the, like the original, the plays were not um, terribly uh, deep in that way either. Um, so I think to, to to me, that's how that reads is that, you know, it's like, okay, well, this is the premise. It's funny. Um, and then, you know, everything's going to work out at the end because it's a comedy. And so, yeah. you know, yeah. re- reality doesn't really matter. I mean, the fact that nobody mm-hmm. recognizes that uh, Sebastian is a woman uh, dressed like a boy for this entire movie, that takes some suspension of disbelief, certainly. Uh, so, like, the premise itself is already absolutely insane. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think this is the movie that's going to necessarily tackle the the hard issues of of the time, you know. But I think I, can... I think it's consistent with with Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Mm. And like, one of my favorite things about Shakespeare, especially like, well, was, I mean, in, in the comedies, is how like everyone just kind of gets paired off. And like, I like in this movie. That's one thing I remember. I remember very specifically about this movie is how like everyone gets kind of paired off, and uh, everyone's happy, and it's all it's all good. And um, is it the like? It, things just kind of resolve themselves as you're saying I totally agree with you because like that's just like that's the magic of like romance and that's the magic right. of being in a comedy it's just like 
we don't need to dwell too much on things because like the characters are more I mean like I know there's no like 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 for me it's like in the Midsummer Night's Dream where it's like the the characters are so influenced by magic and I feel like that's very true of like a lot of Shakespeare comedies and just like it's just like that that's the like that love is in the air so things can just like kind of work out as they work out and that's that's all that's all there is to it and I, I appreciate that and I wish more romantic comedies would embrace that you know and just kind of like let their conflicts just like simmer enough and then just kind of you know fizzle out um dan as a first time watcher what was some of your favorite like comedic moments in the movie um so the i'm not oh, sure are there uh, any? <laughs> yeah i'm not sure off the top of my nothing like immediately jumps to mind uh because it's it's not really my style of comedy mm-hmm. and i think that you know, so much of this movie was built around uh, Amanda's comedic sensibilities. Yeah. Um, you know, her rubber face and her just ability to like, like her physical comedy. Um, and so because so much of it was was an opportunity for her to, to, sh- to shine in that way, like, I had to look for other things that I really enjoyed. And, you know, so of course I loved just Vinnie Jones being in this movie as, as weird as that was, I thought that was just the casting was really funny. Um, I loved seeing David Cross in this as just the totally (laughs) clueless headmaster, Um, (laughs) you know, just like well-meaning, but just doesn't see the forest for the trees. Absolutely hilarious. Um, yeah, uh, I'm going to think, uh, see if there's anything absolutely specific that um, jumps out at me. But yeah, I think like part of my issue with this movie is that like I, I didn't come into it as an Amanda fan and it's so much of it is Amanda. Um. <laughs> Shani, what, uh, what about you? Any kind of like, are there any bits that you remembered from watching it, you know, two years ago versus things that like stood out to you now? Um. Well, I mean, this is pretty much a movie that I just, I watch every year at least i think this year i actually watched it twice i forgot that i'd already seen it and then i checked my letterbox and went oh i don't know how i forgot but i've already watched it this year but yeah it's just one of those movies that i've seen it so often that there's just so many bits about it that i love but there's so many lines from this film that have become like part of everyday language yeah with my mom and i and my cousin who she's only about four years older than me. So she, you know, loves teen movies as well. So there's so many lines that we just, yeah, they just have become part of our everyday thing. Like, you know, we always throw in the like, you know, do you like cheese? My favorite scooter. (laughs) Like we love that. And like that, you know, rub some dirt in it. Like we, that's just like a random thing that we just like, yeah, yeah. rub some dirt in it that we, and, weirdly enough, my mom and I always say to each other, like, you know, have a great apple and sandwich. (laughs) <laughs> that's something that the principal says when he randomly yeah. is running the like the cafeteria. You know, the cafeteria at lunchtime and that's kind of yeah random, but... i i think um biatch was something that i said a lot yes. for a year <laughs> um yeah and, and i love that bit when she's like pretending she's like trying to figure out like guy speak and then she's like so like you know do you play like the beautiful game and then she's like you know bros <laughs> Brothers, <laughs> brethren. brethren. She's, like, trying to, she's trying to figure out like what is like appropriate yeah. guy speak, and from like the get go, the guys are kind of like, "Who is this weird guy?" Because like he just like he doesn't get it. Like he's not, I don't know. He's just really weird. But the fact that he then <clears throat> yeah has to, she then has to get her friends to kind of help her 
set do this like thing and have her like you know break up with all these people in a public place which sort of gets her in with the guys and then people kind of accept sebastian from then but before that it's sort of yeah sebastian's just this like really weird guy that you know sticks tampons up his nose and like it's all just like silly things like that but um i actually really love amanda Bynes in this i feel i kind of feel like watching more of her stuff now and you know having seen which i hadn't at the time but having seen so much like Kristen Wiig stuff I like I really feel like I definitely feel that <clears throat> because of you know all of her mental health issues and yeah. stuff uh, it's such it's such a shame that she doesn't act anymore because I feel like she the kind of her style of comedy and the physical comedy I feel like she could have been like you know a Kristen Wiig sort of <clears throat> you know character in sort yeah. of adult films but <clears throat> but you know unfortunately you know, we're not I mean, going to get <clears throat> that. Yeah. But, yeah, I do feel that kind of loss to comedy because I think she would have... I yeah. I definitely agree. And I think because, you know, like when I think about, you know, like the... Well, like think about actors like Lindsay Lohan and Emma Stone and Jennifer Lawrence and Zendaya, I think even, um, they all owe something to Amanda Bynes. And just in, in terms of just like... Mm. You know, her, she, I mean, she was like, she was like the comic star of the yeah. like 90s and 2000s. And, you know, like, I mean, like the Amanda show, like, I still remember that theme song and the lobsters and all her characters there. Um, mm. and, and I remember like when she was in Easy A, that felt like a comeback, even though, yeah. shockingly, I remember that Easy A and She's the Man were only like a few years apart. But like, that was like, oh, wow, Amanda Bynes is back. And mm. then and she's so uh, funny in ACA. She's so good but... in ACA. And yeah. I think it's a very different kind of character, too. Like, mm. it's, she's, she's not doing her, like, kind of kooky, like, physical comedy zinger kind of thing. And yeah. um, she's very, like, uh, yeah, she's just very, like, it's a different kind of, like, kind of, like comedic performance. And, mm. um, and so, yeah, like, I agree with you. It's such a loss. And, you know, I... I was when I was watching this movie this weekend. I was just like, man, I really hope that, you know, whatever she's, you know, going through, I hope she can, you know, get the help she needs and survive it. And you know, yeah. if she wants to come back to to making movies, I think, um, I think it would be really, I think it'd be really welcome return. Um, yeah, I think so, and I feel like she just, <clears throat> unfortunately, <clears throat> like a whole lot of, you know. <clears throat> starlets from the time that you know the me- there wasn't social media as much but the media itself was really I mean it was, it was so harsh and vicious yeah. on all of these actresses yeah. and yeah you know all of the just like all of these sort of starlets sort of caught in like you know the teen movie like machine thing and yeah I don't think any of them were you know treated very well and they definitely weren't treated very well by the media and you know all that mid 2000s body image shit that like you know everyone had to be like you know a twig and like it's all that and i think it's just she's just another one of those actresses that you know you can only take so much of that and she just yeah Yeah. has had a lot of struggles and but yeah i do i do miss amanda Bynes, but i'm glad that there's still so many performances that we can watch but like her comedic timing is just like perfect like she's just yeah, I mean the way um, she can just like throw off a line <clears throat> and just like 
make it make it totally sing and yeah i mean like my my favorite scene in the movie is probably the carnival where she has to you know change back Mm. and forth between sebastian and viola and you know she's kind of just running around like she's changing in the tilt-a-whirl and in the bouncy house (laughs) and um it's just very and she's like you know throwing herself into the into a fist fight and i mean it's really just like (laughs) it's such a showcase for her um and Mm. you know one thing i learned when i was watching when i was reading about this movie that she like handpicked and fought for Channing Tatum to be in this movie. I think she saw him in some commercial mm. or something and was like, this guy's going to be a star. Girls are going to love him. Um, and he's, you know, a lot older than his character. I think he's almost 10 years older than the character, but she was like, it doesn't matter. He's going to become a star after this. And, and she was right. Um, his yeah. career just like really took off after this. Um, mm. And he's and, uh, great in this. Yeah. Like I always, I always think that, like, I know he's been in some more, like, you know, not serious, but, like, you know, Magic Mike, the first one is not, it's a bit more serious than I thought it was going to be. Like, I yeah, was expecting yeah. kind of a, like, but, yeah, he does films like that. But I always feel like, like, this and The Lost City with Sandra Bullock, like, mm-hmm. I think he's always best when people just let him go full on, like, you know, himbo comedy yeah. kind of part. Yeah. Because he's, like. He's really funny and he ha- he actually has good sort of comedic timing as well. And like, he's just great at delivering silly lines, but he's always just really likable. But yeah, just let him be a himbo. Just like let him, let him be himself and let him be funny. Cause that's when, I think that's when he shines the most when, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's one of the things, to... oh, sorry, sorry, Shani, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh no, that's right. When he's just allowed to, you know, be silly and be a himbo. <laughs> yeah. He, he's one of the things I absolutely loved about this movie um, in terms of the comedy. And, and I think that uh, when I found out that Amanda really fought to have him play that character, I think she saw in him what it took us years to see. Uh, because when he blew up, he became, you know, like uh, like he was in G.I. Joe and they tried to make him an action star and it really didn't work. Um, and then mm. like 21 Jump Street, made everybody realize like, Oh wow, he's really funny. Um, and so that's his groove. And so like she recognized it long before anybody else did. And so, yeah, we can definitely thank Amanda for that. I, I really thought he was great in this movie. Um, and I, and I love anytime Channing plays comedy. I mean, I certainly love magic Mike. I think he's doing great work in those movies as well, mm-hmm. but I think his strength really is, uh, in comedy, um, similar to the way, you know, like, uh, this might be a wild comparison. Uh, but, you know, I think about back in, in, you know, when Marilyn Monroe was making movies, you know, she had this public perception about her and, um, she knew how to like, uh, manipulate that. Right. She she knew like people weren't going to necessarily take her seriously because she was this beautiful uh, woman. So she was able to sort of parlay that into brilliant comedy. Right. And so um, I think that uh, 
um, Channing Tatum very much is aware of how he is perceived publicly and is able to do this very same thing. Um, you know, he's this gorgeous man and Hollywood thought he was going to be an action star. He's not, he's very, very funny. He's very charismatic and just let him, uh, be silly and, uh, you know, you're going to have success. And so, yeah, I definitely loved him here more than I have uh, favorite comedic moments in this. I do have like a favorite, like he might be my favorite performance. Um, I also, I also really liked, uh, um, Anyway, what's the, uh, Emily Perkins as Eunice? I really fell in love with Eunice by the end of this movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, Eunice, Eunice is, is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, gonna be the best lab partner you ever had. Yes, <laughs> is, like, she's so weird. But I love that one of oh, I always forget his name, but one of like you know Duke's bestie guys that's also on the soccer team. Like he's got a thing for Eunice like forever. And then I love that bit when someone's like, "Wow, maybe like you know." Maybe Eunice is cool. And he's like, how about like, you know, why is it when Sebastian thinks Eunice is cool that she's cool? But like, you know, when I did, everyone, and he's like, I hate high school. (laughs) It's a really good line. But they end up together at the end because he's like, you know, like he's just like, Eunice, I'm just like, I just, I think you're so cool. And she's like, oh, well, I know tricks. I would love to see Eunice's tricks. I feel like they're terrifying (laughs) and very erotic at the same time. Yes. And, you know, I made breakfast, darling. <laughs> so, I don't even know where she went to make that one solitary cupcake. But anyway. <laughs> so uh, that's a good example of like one of the things that uh, that lost me, not to like bring the mood back down, but um, if I may be just slightly critical a little bit, I think where this movie um, loses me a little bit is while I love that uh, Toby and Eunice end up together at the end of the movie, I don't think the movie really does a... Uh, a solid job of laying the groundwork to, to make me believe that that relationship is actually going to like be a real thing. Um, and I feel similarly about um, Viola and Duke, you know, I don't necessarily buy Amanda Bynes and Channing Tatum as uh, an actual romantic couple. Um, and and maybe it's because Amanda is, is largely relying on her comedic chops throughout the movie, you know? So I don't, I don't necessarily by the uh, emotional um, payoff at the end. Uh, did you guys, do you guys feel similarly or or does it not matter? Or do you feel differently? I'm, I'm curious to know how you feel about that part of it. I know it's Shakespeare and, you know, everyone's going to fall in love at the end because they have to, but um, you know, I find that in other, like in 10 things and in get over it, I, I buy those connections a little bit more than I do here. And maybe that's why I like them more. Uh, Shani, I'll, I'll let you speak to that before I have, because I'm still kind of baking what I, my response to that, because I think it's a really interesting point. Um, mm, well, I, I don't know. I don't really, I don't know if I agree, Dan, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Like, like... I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, clearly it's one of those that, it's a comedy first and then it has some romantic elements sort of thrown in mm-hmm. where I feel like maybe more 10 things, it's more like a equal balance between the comedy, but <clears throat> the romance is definitely more of a kind of strong plot line. But yeah, I mean, I feel like, yeah, I mean, some of the couples, you never really, they never really had that much time together. Like, I mean, even Sebastian and Olivia sort of ending up together, that doesn't. That doesn't. No, really that doesn't make feel, sense either. That doesn't really feel real because actually, 
she doesn't know him. She knows, right. you know, Viola as Sebastian. So that sort of, yeah, I feel like maybe, maybe they, you know, would go out for a bit, but it would probably fizzle out because it would be like, actually, <clears throat> I don't, I don't really know you. And like, I miss, I miss the Sebastian that I thought I knew who was a different, who wasn't you, who was your sister. So that. Yeah. She loves, she loves that. the idea of Sebastian. Yeah. But I think then you'd go like, mm, that's kind of weird. And it makes it like, you know, that she and Olivia are, kind of friends at the end which i feel like maybe but that would yeah be awkward i think then you'd have no one discussed gaslighting in the film but i think then probably you know after the events of the film maybe then people would get a bit like oh actually i think like <laughs> i think i've been gaslighted this whole time i don't know if i can be friends with viola because i, I ugh, it's weird because i thought she was sebastian i thought she was her brother but yeah i do feel like no i feel like viola and duke I do kind of buy their romance. I think also because a lot of the film, they're sort of just building their connection, but like not in a romantic way because Duke thinks, you know, Viola's a guy. So yeah, I think it's because they build sort of like a bond and a friendship that way, which then, <clears throat> you know, turns into romance on his side as well as her. So I think it that's probably the only relationship in the movie that I do actually buy was kind of feeling legit but the others yeah the others are you know merely just the Shakespeare thing of the Shakespeare comedy of you know everyone gets paired up at the end and right that's you know that formula is fine but yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I, I think what's interesting <laughs> is that this movie has a few different um like running threads going on at the same time you know you have the soccer you have the gender swap you have you know, this, like, debutante ball situation, which is, like, not really that prominent, but, like, is kind of a a thing. You have the, like, the Monique of it all, and you just have a lot of different things happening so that, like, there just isn't room or time or energy for building up, you know, um, you know, like, Eunice and, uh, and, and Andrew or Toby or whoever, whichever one it was. Um, mm. but I, I think that, you know, the, I, I buy, I, I buy Duke and Viola together. Um, because I agree that they spend a lot of time together, like they're training together. They're, I mean, they're practically living together. <laughs> um, and that like there is a sort of like, like, like it's not a romantic connection, but there is some kind of connection there. And they, I think they do, there are a few moments of, you know, like actual, like, you know, person to person connection there. And also it's only about like two weeks. Um, so like, mm -hmm. it's really not that long of time, but, um, what I, what I find, what I found so funny about watching it this time is that, um, you know, when they're at the carnival and he kisses her at the kissing booth and then they come back, you know, and, you know, Viola as her brother is like, oh, what about Viola? Didn't you like, don't you like her? Shouldn't you ask her out? And I'm kind of thinking to myself, like, I don't know if Duke, you would even remember who that was <laughs> or like, <laughs> it's like, so like, I don't know, like, of course you'd remember, but it's like such a person that like he's never really met before, doesn't have any connection to, doesn't really know from you know, from doesn't really know that well from the carnival um, that he's never met. But it's like Viola is trying to see if, you know, because I, I think she likes him 
pretty much like not from the beginning but very soon after and mm-hmm. um and i think that like i mean i don't know it's a teen romance i'm also thinking that like i don't know if i really need these people to be together forever you know they could probably date for yeah. a year or two and then break up as they kind of all go off to college and you know that like the point is that like you know like olivia and sebastian like their connection is that they they connect over these poems or these lyrics and like that could just and like it seemed like that was the first time that olivia really saw sebastian as like sensitive and deep and different from other boys and i think that sebastian mm-hmm. might be like that you know and that like i don't know it's just uh, all they do is they go to the debutante ball together it's not like they're proposing marriage <laughs> you know um yeah so I, I I I buy it because you know you have to buy it you know like it's it's not only Shakespeare but it's a teen rom com it's there's a lot of different angles happening and a lot of different kind of through lines kind of being juggled so um, I I think that a lot of it is carried by the chemistry between Amanda Bynes and Channing Tatum and Channing Tatum's own very like. You know, as we were saying, like, he has that himbo energy. He has, he's very, he seems like a very sweet person. I mean, I don't know him in real life, of course, but from what I can tell, he seems to be, like, a genuine, like, you know, guy who's, you know, not too different from his screen persona. But I like the moments of him being kind of silly, like, you know, with the phone and kind of when he, like, like mm. misses the, like, um, like he's trying to like lean against the machine, the weight machine, and he kind of misses it and falls. Yeah. Like, and that's very cute. <laughs> and like, how could you not fall in love with that? You know? Um, yeah. And that annoying bit when then he's like, I've got a date with Olivia. And then he's like yeah. doing that annoying thing with like the ties on Viola's jumper. And she's like, oh, stop. And that, yeah, bit, like, yeah. I always find that bit hilarious because actually, if you were her, you'd be like, I literally cannot stand this anymore. Like, you're just. Yeah pissing me off with the, the thing with the jumper and like but yeah he's just and I mean they're bits kind of together when she tries to teach him like you know how to talk to girls because she's surprised that he's uncomfortable yeah. I think because she just sees him and thinks he's this like you know hot sort of like jock guy and is surprised that he's uncomfortable like he's nervous to talk to girls and then she's yeah. kind of like you know but why are you nervous like you're hot and then she's like I mean you're like you know an appealing like guy guy man man guy man whatever but <laughs> and then that's sort of the thing that then yeah she's putting on her own voice and being like you know i'm viola and then they do the sort of role-playing thing but then the spider yeah. the tarantula like crawls in and i love that oh, bit where they're both like leaping across the bed like screaming and then he's like you do something and she's like no you're the guy i mean the, <laughs> the bigger the bigger guy and I love that they're just freaking That's out. so good. With the tarantula um, thing and that. It's kind of um, <clears throat> changing topics. Have either of you seen Whip It with Elliot Page, uh, the Drew Barrymore movie about roller derby? I have. No, I've like, never actually got around Around the to same time. It really, uh, really good movie. Um, and that also has a similar kind of plot line where the main character is wants to do sports, but their mother is kind of pulling them to do i think in whip it it's beauty pageants and not not like mm. not a, you know the debutante ball thing but it's a very similar thing of like your mom wants you to be you know a very traditional feminine thing but you want to do this very like you know masculine coded like i mean you know mm. sport um and it's sort of that push and pull and like that is like a very like direct theme in whip it but i feel like and she's the man i like that 
it's there, but it's not like they don't press that button too much where like the mom mm-hmm. is just kind of like she's a little flighty. She's a little kind of like, you know, she's not like a, she's not like mean or like traumatizing about it. But, you know, it's just no. something she wants. And also, like, I kind of thought it was cool that like Viola like didn't like she's a tomboy, but she doesn't like directly reject it. And she's just like she's herself when she goes there, but she's not like, you know, like well, at at a certain point in the beginning, she calls it archaic, which yeah. I loved. I like wanted to clap and get out of, out of my seat. Yeah, like, hell yeah, Debbie Tom Ball is archaic. <laughs> so like, I loved that bit um, for sure. But yeah. I also I I love that like the fight in the bathroom because yeah, it, it, <laughs> yeah. it showed me and, and like it was very funny, very well staged and all that. But it's like kind of like cool to see a little edge to Olivia, you know. Right. Because, like, even, like, in the play and in this movie, like, she's, like, you know, like, the feminine ideal. She's very ladylike and stuff. But, you know, like, there's that scene, like, right before that when, you know, like, there's contrasting Viola's, like, kind of, like, scarfing down chicken to Olivia being very, like, Aww. refined and classy. And then, like, five <laughs> minutes later, they're, you know, all the two of them are, like, wailing against Monique. So it's, it's kind of cool to see that side of Olivia as well. Yeah. And I love that bit because by then it's sort of, like, Viola's kind of just so used to being in Sebastian mode that she's kind of <clears throat> when she's back being Viola, she like forgets how to be Viola. And yeah. she's kind of like, you know, shoving all the chicken on her face. And then, you know, <laughs> the lady's like, Viola, chew, like you have a secret. And she's like, rah, rah, rah. And then she goes up and goes like, ladies. Cause like, and yeah. then she's like, because, oh. you know, Olivia just looks so perfect and eating like, you know, delicate food and she's just ramming chicken in her face. But yeah, I do love that bit when they're having a, you know, full-on <laughs> fight in the bathroom that's just <laughs> that scene is funny <laughs> um i also love the line where it's like heels were designed by men to make your butt look small and to make it harder for you to run away <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then the principal hears that and goes like you know well malcolm when was the last time you tried to run away wearing heels not easy <laughs> Yeah. <I> mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i love that bit and i just like yeah the principal is hilarious because like Viola's sitting on the phone and she's like scratching her head because the wig is on and then he comes over and is like you know and she's like no no I'm just like I've just got like dandruff and he's like no it's all right like you know you're a baldy like you know I've started losing a bit of my hair as well and he's completely bald so I just <laughs> he's just like a completely hilarious random character that just pops in at intervals and yeah and then he's always like you know ladies love bald heads and then he goes like you know rouge and he's just like he's so weird like he just has no idea how to act around people but he just i feel like i feel like the director gave him no notes and he just (laughs) went totally however however he interpreted the script for that scene Mm. he just went and the, and the director just let him go. Uh, that's how it read to me, which I think is totally fine because David Cross is incredible and he's <laughs> super funny. But like, yeah, it, it, he seemed like a character uh, from a different movie who wandered into this movie and uh, just had completely different um, comedic See, sensibilities. I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure that I agree with that because, I mean, this movie just feels like, um, like I feel like a lot of movies of the time would just have like, you know, like, um, more, like, older comedians just kind of, like, doing their thing in, like, small roles and just, like, yeah, maybe it's a lot of improv, maybe, but, like, um, but it's, I, I, I feel like his kind of, like, off 
upbeat humor, like an off-kilteredness, like feels like of the tune with like Eunice or with, um, you know, even some of like the jokes that Amanda Bynes is saying, or just like some of like the more like random comedic beats. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like in this time period, like movies were just like, you would just have like one-off characters that would just kind of like do kind of like a goofy little improv line or whatever, or have a like kind of random, like, physical comedy beat and that was just like it just added to like the texture of the movie and like I agree that like um I agree that David Cross probably did a lot of improv and probably did a lot of just like you know they were like okay you're the principal just like say whatever um but I I, I don't know if I think it's from a different movie uh it um, feels like that- of a part of like this sort of like goofy um randomness of this kind of movie yeah that may have been i may have misspoken there um i, th- I think i think that's fair uh because yeah you're you're right there there are other examples of that i think obviously you know we've talked about get over it a couple times martin short in that movie is very much uh that similar sort of element in that movie but then of course you know in, in mean girls you've got tim meadows who like yeah for he's that character for me in that one um yeah these these specifically these high school uh movies always have this like like you're right like a, like a, i don't know a guest star or like a cameo of some veteran comedian um who's there just to kind of do their thing but i always love it because it 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 um I, I, maybe i meant that in a good way that it feels sort of not out of place but just feels uh, a little bit counter to the energy that's running through the rest sure. of the movie um yeah, I certainly didn't mean that as a criticism. I really love what David Cross is doing here. And I love like that he's kind of doing his own thing amongst everything else. Um, I, and I feel like it does fit with Shakespeare comedies yeah. as well, because in all of his kind of comedies, there'll be like, you know, a character like, you know, Dogberry or like Bottom or something like that. But they're, they're sort of just these like, they're almost like, you know, the village in the not the village idiot, but they're like the sort of full sort of role. And that's, I mean, that's very Shakespearean, just throwing in like a sort of completely random guy that just is complete, like, you know, doesn't always feel like he fits, but it's always still like a really big part of the story. But yeah. Um, Speaking of the supporting cast, I have to give a shout out to um, Jessica Lucas, who plays... um, one of Viola's friends named um, Yvonne. Like, not a very big role or anything, but I remembered when I saw her, I had such a flashback because when I was in high school, maybe like a year or two before this movie comes out, there was a show called Life As We Know It, um, which was like a, it was like a 13 episode, like show about like three teenage boys and like they're like having, you know, like, they're on their like sexual adventures or whatever and like relationships and stuff. And I think it was like canceled because like no one watched it except for me, but Jessica Lucas was a star of it. And I was like, so excited to see her in this movie (laughs) because I love that show um, that no one remembers. I I don't know if anyone famous was in it. Like, I don't know if anyone became famous after it. So it's like kind of a nothing movie, but um, I was very excited to see her. And I just want to give her a little shout out. Uh, She's still working. You know, she does like TV and stuff here and there, but, um yeah i was very it was that's <laughs> i just remember being like so excited to see her back in 2006 and like again it was like one of those things where, like all these memories just like came flowing back of like all the stuff that i was obsessed with back in you know 
when I was a junior, senior in high school. <laughs> um, uh, any any standouts on the soundtrack for the two of you? Um, for me, it's definitely the random cover of All You uh, Love Is All Around, the Mail Tyler Moore yes, theme song, I, which I was like, <laughs> I did not watch the show. Like, I didn't know that song when I saw the movie, and then watching it again now, I was like, oh my god, that's like that's the song. It was so it was great. I made a note about that one because I wasn't expecting it, and uh, yeah, I I loved that. The rest of the the rest of the soundtrack is pretty much of its time. I think there's two uh, All American Rejects songs in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, just make it like extremely 2006. There's not one, but two All yeah. American Rejects songs, brother. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. Um, I mean, it's it's no Josie and the Pussycat soundtrack, but. Um, <laughs> You know, I do, I do love that theme. That uh, what's the name of the Mary Tyler? Love Morrison? is all around. Yeah, I loved that that cover. That was a really nice surprise. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And there is, um, there is one song that I wrote. There's like a Ray Lamontagne song, kind of at the end. That I'd never heard his music before, but it kind of compared to the rest of the soundtrack, it's like a kind of an odd choice because it's not like boppy or anything, but it's sort of like their romantic bit at the end where they kind of come back together and he accepts her as Viola but yeah I've always I became a fan of his music from this movie so thank you she's the man but um yeah um any final thoughts or anything you want to mention um uh lines moments uh, you know scenes for the movie that you just wanted to give a quick shout to before we finish up here I don't think I have anything additional to add, but I do want to say thank you for uh, having me on and uh, and allowing me to um, be maybe the the lone dissenting voice <laughs> in this episode. Uh, not no, I want to I want to make it clear. I, I did not dislike it, but you know I, I had to be honest that um, that some of the comedic sensibilities uh, just weren't really my thing at the time, and they still aren't really my thing. But um, you know, there is still quite a bit to enjoy in this movie and I'm, and I'm glad people still talk about it. Cause you know, I think there's a lot of like uh, a lot of the progressive messages in it are really worth, um, you know, uh, celebrating. Um, Shani. Um, yeah, I think I've sort of covered everything, but I do, I remember when the film came out that I saw some interviews about it, which I always thought was funny, but all the guys were saying that, when they were filming the movie, sort of they always felt like they didn't really know Amanda Bynes that well because when she they went, she was like really different when she was Amanda as to when she was, you know, being Sebastian. So I think they all felt like when she went back to like being Amanda, they all sort of went like, we kind of miss our friend a bit because they went like she was kind of not standoffish but sort of, I think they felt like they got to know her better when she was in kind of Sebastian mode, yeah. which I always thought that was sort of a funny thing that I think it also sort of works because they're meant to be kind of a bit awkward around Viola because they don't really know her. So I think yeah, I always thought that was funny that they were kind of like when they're filming, you know, when we weren't filming Sebastian bits, we kind of like missed our friend because Amanda kind of, we felt like we didn't really know her as well because she was, very different, like two different people throughout the film, but I always thought that was funny. And there's one little detail that I love at the very end at the debutante ball, Viola's got, it's just like a very simple 
clip in her hair, but like it's a sparkly clip thing, which funnily enough, that clip is also in Clueless because Cher wears it when they go to the, when she and Christian go to that party at the warehouse thing. And I always love that. But actually the um, hairdresser for Clueless was one of the hairdressers for She's the Man. So she threw that clip in on purpose because everyone loves Cher's hair clip. And um, yeah, Nina Paskowitz was the hairdresser for both of those. So I just love that as a little thing that she was just throwing in like a nod to, you know, other teen, you know, iconic teen comedies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that connection. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like for me, Clueless is like the gold standard of these mm-hmm. kinds of like, you know, like classic literature adaptations yeah. um, for like modern audiences. Um, and, you know, of course it's like the mother of all these teen rom-coms uh, for me. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think, you know, I'm just kind of just doing some like casual, you know, searching online about just like reviews of the movie or like if there's any kind of Reddit commentary or anything. And, you know, I saw this movie get sh- like um, talked a lot about on like uh, trans message boards, um, you know, and how a lot there's some discussion about this movie about whether it's, you know, trans- whether it counts as trans representation, whether it is transphobic or progressive and you know there's a there's a debate about that and you know to me that's a sign that this, this movie at least is inspiring some kind of feelings whether it's positive or negative but mm. any discussion i think is healthy to have but um i i i, I saw that there are a lot of people who felt represented by this movie especially kind of the early scenes of you know viola entering the showers and feeling kind of nervous about that or you know feeling very like watched and seen when she's first um in, on, on campus and a lot of her dialogue about oh they know they're gonna catch me i'm not you know like relating to this the concept mm-hmm. of like passing and stuff like that and you know i'm not trans i don't want to speak for anyone but um i did i did kind of like that you know as dan was saying that this movie is still being talked about and um mm. you know i hope that if people feel represented by this movie i'm glad it's there for them um and if they don't then i, you know, I hope that they can um you know at least have a good discussion about it and what they like and don't like i mean i don't think of this as a trans movie especially but um you know it does have you know it is coded as the kids say um in some ways and you know i think even like there's some queer codedness in this movie about you know, both Olivia and Duke finding this connection with someone that they think is of, you know, a different gender and kind of realizing that the person they liked was a different gender. And there's you know a lot of that. And so that, you know, this movie does have some sort of legacy, you know, even if it didn't, you know, um, take the box office by storm or win a lot of, you know, MTV movie awards. Um, Well, I I only mentioned that because I I was looking and I was like, Amanda Bynes does not win an MTV movie award for this movie. And I'm like, what is even the point of those awards if not to give Amanda Bynes (laughs) an award for She's the Man? That's what it's there for. But she did win, I I think, like a Kids' Choice Award. So, you know, the the kids, they're all right, as they say. (laughs) Well, Shawnee and Dan, my gosh, thank you so much for being oh, here. I do have, well, I do you. have, oh, I, yes, I do. I do have one question for you, Manish. Um, yeah. So I need to know how you felt about seeing your uh, character represented on screen as a tarantula. 
you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I, like, like, like I said, I, I was in um, a, a production of, of Taming of the Shrew and I was in a production of Midsummer Night's Dream. So like I have my, my on-screen analogs and, you know, they're both human, but uh, I've never seen someone have their character turned into well, a spider I, before. Yes. I mean, I remember when I was in high school and I saw this movie in theaters and I was like, I cannot believe they changed Malvolio's name to Malcolm. I mean, they kept the name Duke Orsino, which is like a non-name, but <laughs> Malvolio was too weird for them. Um, and uh, I mean, I get it, of course, like Malcolm it just makes more. So, I mean, I, I liked at least that they cut the name for the spider. You know, like, like I, I, I don't think you guys remember from the play, but like, I think... Um, Malvolio's big thing is that like he had like they like they get him to wear these like stupid yellow pants um and um you know I had to wear that on stage and you know when I did that and it was really fun and I think he wore yellow a few times in the movie so I remember being very excited about that I was like okay I don't know maybe they're, they're not going to do the whole subplot about you know like how the court jesters or whatever like make fun of him like that's fine i get it you know it's, there's not a lot of stuff in that movie and there's not a lot of room in the movie for that stuff but i appreciated the nods although i did not like that his major line was given to duke at the end of the game because like mm-hmm. i remember having to say be not afraid of greatness you know when i played the role and now Channing tatum mm-hmm. got to say it and not malcolm so that was <laughs> but you know it, it's fine i <laughs> it's definitely the first and only time that any character that I played was on a movie so that was kind of fun for 17 year old me (laughs) but thanks for asking (laughs) I didn't didn't, didn't realize that Malcolm was uh, the Malvolio character um, because I've I've never read uh, Twelfth Night Um, it's one of those few that I'm not familiar with in in Twelfth Night if I remember correctly I I haven't read it since high school but Malvolio is like this, like one of Olivia's suitors, and he's very pompous. He's very, sure. you know, um, and, and he's very annoying. She has no interest in him. And the 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 Toby and the Andrew characters, like they like they trick him into wearing these silly pants. They get him to act really stupid, like in court and stuff. Um, as and that's sort of like the you know the like uh, comedic subplot in the play, aside sure. from you know the main the main love quadrangle or whatever. Um, okay, so, that makes more sense now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he, so Malcolm is the Malvolio character, but they they I guess they changed the name because Malvolio. I don't. Know, I was somehow well, sounds stupider than Orsino, but I was honestly worried that your character was just related <laughs> to being a spider. Um, so okay, all right, I feel better about this now. Yeah. Um, well, uh, on on that note, you know, Shawnee Dan, thank you so much for being here. Um, please share about your amazing Nora Efron podcast and anything else you're working on and like to share, uh, Shawnee. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having us. Like, I think, I think ever since this movie came out, I've been like waiting to come on a podcast. And before <laughs> podcasts were a thing, I've been waiting to come on a podcast to talk about She's the Man. So I was so excited to come on and talk about this. But um, yeah, you can find us. We're on, we're still on Twitter. If Twitter exists when this episode comes out, I feel like I have to say that every time now because yeah. Twitter might just implode by, you know, the time this is out. But um, yeah, we're on Twitter and Instagram at the Nora Podcast, and we're also on 
but wherever you get your podcasts, all our episodes are there. And we're also on the Cage Club network website at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. And yeah, all of our back episodes are there. Our current episode at the moment is Mixed Nuts. And our next movie will be Michael. So um, yeah, if you're a if you're a fan of Nora, definitely come and check us out. Um, yeah, we just have such such fun talking all things Nora. So um, yeah. Thank you. And, and Dan? Yeah, so I echo everything Shawnee just said about the podcast around the corner. Um, that's a great show. I, I love doing it um, every month. And we've gotten to talk to some really great people, too. So uh, um, mm-hmm. we've got a few interviews with um, uh, uh, Shawnee, help me out here, with uh, Nora's producer, Linda Obst. Yes, um, yes. And we've and- also spoken to <clears throat> Aaron Carlson and, and Kristen Marguerite Doidge, who have both written books about Nora Efron. So definitely, yeah, yeah, have a listen to our episodes with them. But yeah, we've We've been able to speak to some really amazing guests that, you know, in our first year, we weren't sure that, you know, we've got to speak to anyone awesome, but we, yeah, we did. So that, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and uh, the other show I do, which is also on the Cage Club Podcast Network, is uh, The Monsters That Made Us, um, which is always, a, it's weird for people to hear that, that I do a Nora Ephron podcast and a monster podcast, uh, but I wear many hats. Um, so uh, The Monsters That Made Us is a, uh, a podcast all about the Universal Studios classic monsters, your Frankensteins, your Draculas, your mummies, your invisible men, all that kind of stuff. Um, we are actually uh, coming back this month. Uh, when will this episode release uh um maybe about uh nine or ten days from now oh okay so uh it should release yeah it should release before um the monsters that made us comes back uh that is set to return on october 27th that's the last friday of the month yeah so we'll be coming back um and then we release uh once a month we're also available anywhere you get your podcasts uh apple podcasts um Spotify, uh, you know, just Google it, I guess. <laughs> uh, I'm also on Twitter at Dan Cologne, um, letterboxd at Dan Cologne, and The Monsters That Made Us is on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Monster Made Pod and The Monsters That Made Us. Um, amazing. I can't imagine that Nora Efron did not grow up on a diet of 1930s horror movies. You know, like her parents <laughs> just seem like the kind of people that. I mean, you guys might know better than I do, but I just, I feel like she watched a lot of classic movies from the era. So there's a connection there, I'm sure. If there is, it hasn't come up on the podcast, <laughs> podcast. but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, like you, I, I choose to believe that there, there was a connection there somewhere. Yeah. And she did uh, love classic film and her parents were, you know, yes. famous screenwriters. So yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I'm sure it's not come up as some... an influence anywhere, but I'm sure she would have seen it. Yeah, influence, but I'm sure she enjoyed them, you know. Yeah. She seems yeah. like the type. Um, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, so well, thank you both. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Vertigay314. I refuse to call it X, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also, follow the podcast at ipod2bu. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Um, you know what? And normally I introduce the next episode, but um, I'm still kind of cooking something really kind of special for the next one. So I'm going to leave that to be a surprise for the next couple of weeks. But um, yes, Shawnee, Dan, thank you so much. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. Can't wait to, um, as you guys get through to, you know, a really amazing 
you know, series of movies by Nora Fraun, including, you know, Bewitched and Julie and Julia, and You've Got Mail, of course. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, thank you so much for being here, and listeners, thanks for listening. 